This morning we're uh, continuing our theme uh, that we're going uh, through the month of August and September about uh, life can be tough, but God is good. And uh, through this series we're looking about some tough situations about life, but if you know the Lord, if you're a Christian, you know that life is tough even if you are a Christian. Things can happen in our life, but we know that God is good and that God works all things together for our good. Even if God doesn't answer prayers the way that we want him to, uh, he's still good. And those two words that I just used, even if, is what I want to use for the message this morning. Even if. Even if is a statement that you use in the present about the future. Think about that. Even if. A statement you make about the present right now, but it's relating to the future. If you say that I'm going to be faithful to God, even if this doesn't happen, what you're saying is right now I'm making a choice that even though I don't know what the end result's going to be, I don't know what the future holds, but even if it don't go the way I want to go, I'm still going to be faithful to God, even if. And today we want to look at some scriptures in Daniel chapter 3 that tell us about three young Hebrew men who uh, had that mentality and had that attitude, and that is, we're going to be faithful to God even if he doesn't spare us from what could happen and what is supposed to happen, we're still going to be faithful to God. And they made that statement right then, right there, that moment, even though they didn't know what the future was going to hold and the plans for the future looked pretty bad, devastating, deadly. But they said, even if... God doesn't spare us from that. We're still going to be faithful to him. And, you know, it's a really kind of a, a challenge for us to look at in our own personal life. And that is, is that our mentality? You know, it's easy to read a story in the Bible and see somebody else say that and be in a situation in their particular life. But boy, when it hits home and it's in our own personal life, in our own live situation, it sometimes can be different for us to say, even if God doesn't answer my prayer, I still am going to be faithful to him because when that reality sets in, sometimes we begin to question things. And so we're going to learn some things from these uh, three Hebrew young men that uh, their names were changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, they are going to get in a situation to where they could be thrown into a fiery furnace, but they make the choice, even if God doesn't spare us, we're still going to be faithful to God. So let's look at that this morning in uh, Daniel chapter 3, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 8, but I want to give you kind of a recap of the first part of this chapter and also the other two chapters. It's in a situation where there's a world power that has kind of taken control, and it's the Babylonian world power, the Chaldeans, and the king is King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar has come into Jerusalem and he's took, taken control of it. He has besieged Jerusalem. He has taken the people of Judah under his power. And in this situation, King Nebuchadnezzar has a pretty smart idea. He tells his servants, his uh, leaders, he said, I want you to go among the Jewish people and I want you to pick out some young men that are the best of the best. I want the best looking men, the best built men, the most athletic men, the best trained men, the men with the most knowledge. I want you to bring them into my kingdom. And here's what we're gonna do. 
We're going to teach them to speak the language of the Chaldeans. We're going to teach them to eat our food and drink our drinks. We're going to teach them the way that we do things. And what King Nebuchadnezzar's plan was is, I'm going to go to a young generation and I'm going to create a new generation among them. I'm going to take the best of the best and they will influence everybody else in the way of the Babylonians, the Chaldeans. And I'll have a greater grip on these Jewish people. Probably his mindset was they'll forget the Jewish ways and they'll just convert totally over to Chaldean, the Babylonian ways. So a pretty smart idea. And so that's what King Nebuchadnezzar does. And out of that comes the selection of Daniel and three of his buddies that the Bible identifies. And one of the first things that they do is they change their Jewish names to a Chaldean name. And that's where they come up with what we call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they begin to put them into the influence of the Babylonians. Now, one thing that King Nebuchadnezzar didn't know was happening was Daniel and his buddies had made the choice that they weren't going to be totally influenced by the Babylonians. They were still going to be faithful to God. And so kind of in the shadows, they weren't eating the same food and they weren't doing some of the same things. They were doing what they had to do, but they were being faithful to God in the midst of it. And God blessed that because of their faithfulness. And so because of how that they had stood out, the King Nebuchadnezzar decided that he recognized them. He raised them up to put them in some authority over the Babylonian empire. And so that's where we're kind of picking up in the story today where that is starting to happen. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar, while all this is going on, he is getting more arrogant about himself and about uh, his power. And so he decides that he's going to make this big golden statue and he makes a decision and puts out a decree that whenever there's a orchestrated music that begins to play and people hear it, he expects them to bow down to this golden image that he has had created. And this image is massive. I mean, it's like when you take the uh, conversion of their measurements into today's measurements, it would probably convert to something somewhere around like 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. It is a massive thing. You, nobody can overlook it. And that's what his plan is. He said, I want it to stand out where everybody sees it. And when the music plays, everybody bows down to my golden image and worships my gods. And so that's where Nebuchadnezzar's plan was. And that's where we pick up. Now, he being a world power and the most influential man in the world at that time, as far as these people know, they're all afraid of him because not only has he decided that when this happens, if anybody thinks they're not going to do it, he said, I'm going to have a fiery furnace heated up and anybody that doesn't bow down, they're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace, which means your life ends. So that's where we're kind of picking up. And there are some of the Chaldeans that are a little bit jealous of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they've been watching them and they notice that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when the music plays, when the orchestra breaks out in the music, they're not bowing down. And so they decide they're going to go talk to the king and put an end to these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So that's where we pick up in Daniel chapter 3 in verse 8. It says, therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. So they spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. So they're coming in and making all these accolades to the king about how great he is. And they're trying to win him over and come in in good graces with the king. So, O king, live forever. 
And in verse 10, he says, You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not will fall down and they does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So they come in and they're flattering the king and they're saying, here's what your decree is. And I can imagine no King Nebuchadnezzar saying, that's right. Mm -hmm. I'm the king. I should live forever. And yes, I did put out this decree. And yes, that is what I want everybody to do. And yes, if anybody doesn't follow my guidelines into the fiery furnace, so the king is all built up about this. Then in verse 12, it says, they said to him, there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. He said, there's some guys that you put in authority and their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, men O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. So they have built the king up. They have flattered him. They have amused him by saying, we know exactly what your decree is and we know the consequences. Oh, by the way, king, there's these uh, Jewish guys that you put into power and authority that they're not giving you any respect. They're not honoring you. They're not bowing down when the music plays. Now, what do you imagine King Nebuchadnezzar responds? Well, in verse 13, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. And so here King Nebuchadnezzar, he's getting all built up with all his power and his great authority and how he's being recognized and flattered. And then when he finds out these uh, three Jewish guys are not bowing down to him, he is angry. So he's gone from this, this feeling of, ah, oh, I am something else to, what? Bring them here right now. And the Bible tells us, so they brought these men before the king and then in verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery and symphony with all kinds of music and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately in the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? So here's what the king says. He brings them in and he says, is this true? Hold on a second before you answer it. He said, I'll tell you what. When the music plays, when the symphony breaks out, if you bow down and worship like I have decreed, that'll be good. You'll be good. I'll be good. Everybody's good. But if you do not, you're going to immediately be thrown into the fiery furnace. And then who is your God that's going to save you from my powerful hand? So the king is kind of in this emotional roller coaster. He's angry. He brings them in. He says, I'm going to give you a second chance. And so he gives them a second chance. And he says, and by the way, this is your last chance because if you don't, into the fiery furnace you go. Well, the Bible tells us how they responded. And you know, we can hear this story and we go, hmm, sounds like a bad situation for these guys. 
And you know, we're real easy when we're listening to a story that we can kind of sit on the sidelines and we don't give it as much emotional connection. But I want you to imagine that if you were a young teenager and you're brought before the king, the most powerful person on the planet that you know of, and he's telling you, listen, is it true you haven't been bowing down to the image when the music plays? Wait a minute, before you answer, I want you to know I'm going to give you a second chance. If it plays... And when it does, you bow down, everything's good. But if it doesn't, you've realized about the end, you're going into the fiery furnace. How do you think you would feel? Your heart would be racing. You would be very, a sense of intensity flowing over your body. And a lot of things racing through your mind. Well, the Bible tells us how these young men responded in verse 16. It said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the goat image which you have set up. Three young guys standing before the most powerful man that they know of in the world and they said, "Uh, King, we, we don't have to wait just king. You don't have to break out the band. You don't have to play the music. We don't have to be put in that situation. It don't matter if you ask us today, tomorrow, next week. We can tell you, King, we're not bowing down. We're not going to bow to your God. And just so you know, King, our God has the power. He can deliver us. But one translation in that verse 18 says, but even if, what's a really grabbing statement in it? Even if. You see, they didn't know what the end result was going to be. They knew what the king said, but they said right now in this moment, in the present, no matter what the future holds, no matter what the end result is, right now, this moment, we're choosing that we're serving God and we're not serving anybody else. And we're not bowing down to anything else. So do what you got to do. In verse 19, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression of his face changed. He was angry. He brought them in. He's given them a second chance. I can imagine he's kind of giving them a smile on his face. And now he's enraged again. So his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. So not only is he angry to a higher level, but he says, I want the fiery furnace heated up seven times hotter than it's ever been. And in verse 20, he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. He is so mad. He's just like, he's out of control. He's angry. He's furious. It's like fire is coming out of his ears and his eyes are lit up red. And he's telling them to put the fiery furnace seven times hotter than it is. And he said, I want the biggest, baddest men I've got in my army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's kind of like his mentality is, I want these guys to get them, tie them so tight that they can't breathe, they can't move, and that they know every moment of this torture that they're about to face. So King Nebuchadnezzar is gone over the top, and it looks like there's no hope for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible goes on to tell us that in verse 21, then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans and their other garments and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So they didn't do anything. It just grabbed them at that moment. 
And in verse 22, it says, Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So in the midst of what the king is doing in his rage, that the fire is so hot that when these mighty men of valor take them to the edge to throw them in, the intensity of the heat kills them and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fall tumbling down into this fiery furnace. Now, we don't know exactly what it looks like, but we know from everything that the Bible is telling us that it's at a lower level that the king is at a higher level so he can look down at it and they're tumbling and falling down and these mighty men who are going to throw them in it, their lives have been consumed. And the Bible goes on to tell us that in verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke saying to his counselors, did uh, we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. And he said, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Quite a dramatic experience of what is happening. But I told you that we were focusing on those two words that would be translated into today's English that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said and that is even if, even if God doesn't spare us, we're not backing down. We're staying faithful to God. What does even if mean when we look at these scriptures and see the reality of what is said? God began to speak to me about some things that kind of popped out of these scriptures and it reminded me that even if means I put God first even when others do not. Even if means I put God first even when others do not. When we look at these scriptures, we see that it's isolated, that it's like everybody is bowing down to the gold image, that everybody is worshiping Nebuchadnezzar's gods, the false gods, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the picture that we're seeing is this massive kingdom that is made up of the Chaldeans and the Jewish people, and yet when the music plays, everybody bows down to this golden image except for those three guys. It's a reminder to us that even if... We are put in a situation where it looks like that nobody else is serving God and nobody else is taking a stand that we're going to put God first even if our circumstances are not the best circumstances. You see, when you look at these scriptures, these uh, three young men, they had refused to bow down to the king's command. They had refused to do what everybody else was doing. They refused to go with the flow. And it's kind of a reminder to us that sometimes in life, as Christians, we're going to be put in situations to where we can look around us on our job and everybody else is doing things that would not be pleasing to God. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do? What are we going to do in this situation? Maybe it looks like we're at school and it looks like our schoolmates and even some of the ones that I go to church with, that they don't look like they're being faithful to God. What am I going to do in this situation? And it doesn't matter whether you're young or old or whether you're somewhere in between of just kind of middle stages of life. 
that we're all going to be at some point in our life where we're going to be put in a situation that it looks like everybody else is going with the flow and everybody else is doing things that are not necessarily pleasing to God. And we have to ask ourselves the question, am I going to put God first? Am I going to do what is right in the eyes of God, even though everybody else is not doing it? And a lot of times, especially the more people that you worship with, you may be around some of the people that you go to church with in other situations of work and school and activities and social events. And you're seeing some of them, they're not staying faithful to God. They're not putting God first in their life in these circumstances. What am I going to do? Even if means that I put God first, even when other people are not. When I look at these scriptures, I'm also reminded that even if means that I refuse to give in to the pressure of others. If you were to look down to verses 13 and 15, you'll see that, that scripture that tells us about the anger and the fury of King Nebuchadnezzar. And remember, as far as they know, this is the most powerful man in the world at that moment. And so King Nebuchadnezzar has brought them in and said, is this true that you're not bowing down before my idol? and worshiping my gods. And so he puts them in this pressure situation. He says, I tell you what, when the music plays, if you wanna bow down right now, we'll, we'll say everything's okay. You're good, I'm good, everybody's good. So the king is putting the pressure situation on them. And you and I could be cheerleaders listening to the story and say, don't give in, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't fall into what the king's pressure is on you. I know he's the world power and he's the most influential man in the world that you know of at that moment, but don't give in. But then if you put yourself in the reality of that story, sometimes it can be a lot different, can't it? That you're under that pressure. And in our Christian lives, sometimes we have pressure that somebody that's over us, it might be a boss, might be a coach, might be a teacher, but somebody who has authority over us and, and they're putting the pressure on, I want you to do this. And when you hear it, you're thinking, oh, man, that's, I know that goes against God's word. I, I know that's not what God would want me to do. I know that's going against the Bible. And the pressure is on. And what are you going to make the decision? What are you going to do? In that moment when you individually you're feeling that and sometimes it's not the pressure of someone who has authority over you but sometimes it's peer pressure those who are maybe at the same level of life you are maybe the same age or same status of life and they're doing things and you know what I found out that peer pressure is one of the most difficult things for people to really take a stand for God because it starts out a lot of times in in a young age let's just say teenage years and you're in your teenage years and, and the people that you want to be with, the people that you want to fit in with, the people that you want to be considered grouped with, and the pressure is, hey, if you're going to be a part of us, if you're going to hang out with us, then you got to be willing to do this or you got to be willing to do that. And then the pressure is on. Whether you're going to go with the peer pressure, go along with the rest of them so that you fit in, so you're in the elite crowd, so that uh, you're liked by other people that, that you like, so that you're popular, so that you might get a promotion or so that you might get a better position on the team. And you look at that and you have to make the choice. Am I going to give in to the peer pressure 
or am I going to be faithful to God? And you know what I found out? That it may start out at young ages and it starts with all kinds of pressure. How you dress, how you look, how you talk, what group you're with, what things you do. But I found that it's not just teenagers. It continues to go in the 20s, the 30s, 40s, 50s. I've even seen people in their 60s and 70s. They're still trying to fit in giving in to the peer pressure of those who are at their level or their stage of life. And what I've found is that when it starts out in your young ages, it'll probably be that way the rest of your life. You're going to always give in to peer pressure. You're always wanting to fit in. You want people to like you. You want to get the things that they've got. You want to be accepted by others. You want to stand out as being one that's maybe a little head and shoulders above other people. And when you're a Christian, you got to look at those situations and say, am I going to give in to this pressure or am I going to refuse and say that no matter what, I'm going to be faithful to God. And let me tell you this, you got to make that decision when you're young because the older you get, the harder it gets to break away from that. Even, even if means I refuse to give in to the pressure of others. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had that situation and they refused to give in to it. Even if also means that I trust God to take care of me no matter the circumstances, the consequences. If you look at verses 16 and 18, you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that the king has said, all right, I'm gonna give you a second chance. And they said, hold on, king. <laughs> we don't need a second chance. We don't need it today. We don't need it tomorrow. We don't need it next week. So King, it doesn't matter. We are not. No matter what the consequences are, no matter what the outcome is going to be, we are not giving in. And what, you know what they said? Our God is well able to deliver us. Now, they didn't know what God's plan was. They didn't know what the outcome was. But in that moment, they took a stand that our God is well able. He is more powerful than you, King. He is well able to deliver us, but it makes no difference whether he chooses to answer right now what we would hope would happen or not. We are not giving in. We're going to trust God to take care of us. Do you have that man mentality in your life today? That no matter what the consequences are going to be, you're just going to trust God to take care of you. It's a challenge that we need to look at ourselves. That am I personally at that point in my life spiritually that I trust God to take care of me no matter what the consequences will be in the end. Even if means I trust God even when he doesn't answer my prayers my way. When you look at these scriptures and you look down to verses 19 through 23, it tells about them being bound up and, and being thrown into the fiery furnace. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but a lot of times when I'm reading stories in the Bible, I, I put myself in somebody's place there. And so I did that when I was reading this scripture and studying about the sermon today and I, my mind began to put myself in this place of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I thought, okay, the king has just said, crank up the fire seven times. I want my biggest, baddest, strongest men to bind them. So put your name there. I want my biggest, baddest men to bind Brett Yeager and throw him into the fiery furnace that is seven times hotter than we've ever had it before. What would Brett Yeager be doing? I'll tell you what Brett Yeager would be doing. 
God, don't let this happen. Strike these guys dead with a heart attack. I can run fast. I can outrun these guys. If you'll just drop them dead with a heart attack, I'm out of here. They'll never catch me. I don't know. What would your prayer be going? Now, you might be, you know, tough stuff. You might be like, you know, Robbie. Robbie be going, hey, yeah, no problem. But Brett Yeager, I'm praying every prayer you can think of. And I wouldn't be praying, God, let them throw me into the fire and then let me not get burned. No, I'm not going that far. God, don't ever even let me get pushed into the fire. Do something now. And so we don't have in the Bible what their prayer was, but I'm thinking these are, you know, these are faithful men of God, but I'm thinking they're real people in a real life situation. And in real people in real life situations, pray with all their heart. God, don't let this happen to me. And I don't know, like I said, I'd be praying, let them drop dead with a heart attack and let me run for it. I don't know, I don't know what you might be thinking of, but I'd be praying hard. And if they did pray, God, let them drop dead with a heart attack and let us not fall in, it didn't happen, did it? They got consumed with the fire, but they fell into the fire. And if it was me falling, I'd be saying, God, you let them fall the wrong direction. Prayers would immediately, if you don't pray hardly at all, you'd be praying hard if you were in that situation. But what if God doesn't answer our prayers? Will we still trust God and be faithful to him? You know, every one of us at some point in our life, we're going to be in a moment, it might not be a moment like this, but we're going to be in some moment. Maybe it's someone that's close to us that we're loving. We're praying, God, don't let them die. We're praying, God, let them get this job. Or we're praying, God, let, don't let this happen to, in their life. And we're praying these prayers, and sometimes God's plan is different than our plan, and he answers prayers differently than we want God to answer those prayers. Are we at an even if point of, even if God doesn't answer the prayer the way I want it, I'm still going to trust him. I'm still going to be faithful to him. I'm still going to serve him. I'm still going to worship him. It's a challenge that we got to look at in our own personal lives today. And that is, where am I in my commitment, my trust, my faith, my walk with the Lord? Am I where I can say, even if you don't answer my prayers the way I want it, I still love you. And I'm still going to be faithful to you. I give you the last even if. And that is, even if means I believe that God works all things together for my good. If you look at verses 26 through 30, and I didn't read those scriptures, but it lets us know that God works out something amazing to the good of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And let me read that to you in verses 26 through 30 of what the Bible tells us. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and he spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God. Man, he's got a different attitude about their God, hasn't he? Remember that just before they got thrown in, he said, and who is your God that can deliver you from my hands? And now he's saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. Sounds almost like the price is right. Come on down. He said, come on out of there. Come on up here with me. And then he goes on to say, then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire 
And the satraps and the administrators and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected and the smell of fire was not on them. It's almost like they were in this little protective bubble that the fire could not penetrate. God was saying, or the scripture's telling us that God saved them from even the smell of smoke. And if you've ever been around smoke, you know that you can't be around smoke without carrying that smell with you. It doesn't matter if you're roasting a marshmallow, you're gonna smell like smoke. If you're standing with somebody smoking a cigarette, you're gonna smell like smoke. Anything you're around, any type of smoke, you leave with the smell of smoke on you, even if nothing else happens. And here the Bible says that they weren't touched by the fire and didn't even have the smell of the fire or the smoke on them. And in verse 28 says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's words and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own God. It's like Nebuchadnezzar got converted and started preaching. I mean, he's just a whole different mentality. In one moment, he's angry, burned, put the fire up seven times, get the biggest, baddest guys we've got, sinks them to where they can't breathe, throw them in there. And now he's saying, man, you got the most high God. You didn't yield to my words and woohoo, way to go. In verse 29 says, therefore, I make a decree, a new decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made as ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Man, God worked all things together for their good, didn't he? Now let me tell you, honestly, Everything don't always happen that way. I've had things happen good, and I've had things turn out that they weren't so good. But it didn't change that God was still good. And the Bible says that he works all things for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say God works everything out for everybody for their good, but it says those who love him and are called according to his purpose, which means if you really love the Lord, and you're seeking to be faithful to him and serve him, he's going to work all things together for your good. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He's going to work it all out for your good. And that means that sometimes bad things happen, but he's still working out things for your good. And you know, when you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, man, everything worked out good. Not only did they not get burnt, but they got promoted and got a raise. I mean, that's awesome, isn't it? Wouldn't you love to think that every time you stood for God that you'd always get a promotion, get a raise, get a better position, get more recognition? Well, if it was like that, everybody would say, hey, I'll be a Christian. It wouldn't be a heart commitment. It would be a hope. I hope I get something good for myself. You know, when I, Joyce shared last week in uh, her testimony how that when uh, she and I were about to get married, I lost my job. And I lost my job because they, had, uh, they were shutting down the Dalton plant and they actually offered me another job and more money, but I was gonna have to move to Douglasville, Georgia. And uh, so I didn't think that was a good thing for, 
for me and Joy starting our uh, life together. And I knew that wouldn't be a good thing with my in-laws moving uh, to another city. So uh, I told them, I said, I can't take that job. And so they said, you're no longer employed then. So uh, I was out of work for a few weeks and uh, I ended up getting a job at, an, at another place. And when I took that job, hadn't been there but just a few weeks and they said, hey, we got to do so-and-so this weekend, so we need you to work Sunday. Now, here's what I'm thinking when they said that. I, I've tried to be faithful to God, tried to be good to my wife and her family, and, and I finally, after a couple of weeks of being unemployed and my income going down, and, and I got this job, and I'm excited about it, and in a few weeks, they're testing my Christianity, my faith, my stand where I stand. And one of the Ten Commandments is, is thou that we're supposed to honor the Lord and worship Him, honor His day. And so I'm standing there and I'm going, in, I'm standing there and I'm looking at Him, but inside I'm going, oh no. <laughs> God, I just got this job. I'm just getting in the swing of things. And now they're saying, you got to work Sunday. And I'm saying, why? Because now i got to make a choice. Am I going to give in and work Sunday? Or am I going to take my stand as a Christian of what I believe God's word says and what one of the Ten Commandments is? And am I going to say, I'm not going to work? So I looked at him and I said, I'm sorry, I, I can't work Sundays. I'm a Christian. I worship on Sundays. And I can't work on Sundays. And when I said that, you know what I was expecting to hear? Oh, well, good luck finding you a new job. Do you know what? They said, okay. I didn't work Sunday. And in that job that I got, I had a uh, boss that uh, was trying to push me into going back to college. And he had been in his life at one point where uh, he had a boss that uh, pushed him into going to college. And then he got better jobs and so forth. And so he was pushing me to go back to school. And I didn't want to. And, and he started holding me back. Wouldn't let me get promotions, wouldn't let me get raises. And, and uh, his boss found out what he was doing, had a good talk with him, gave me a promotion, gave me a raise, and set me on a path to getting several other promotions and raises. Now, I say that to say that I was in a situation that it looked like it wasn't going to be good, but God worked all things together for my good. Now, it doesn't mean that that always happens. And I told you I've had some things that didn't turn out so good. But it doesn't change the fact that God is good. And in the long run, he works all things together for our good. So the question we got to ask ourselves and the challenge we got to take this morning, that is, we got to say, okay, life is tough, but God is good. And even if God doesn't answer my prayers the way I want, even if my circumstances aren't the best, Am I going to be faithful to him? 